Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kivan. It's so great to be with you here and getting into that festive, joyous spirit because certainly we are galloping towards Pesach or Pesach is galloping towards us. Either way, it's around the corner and we're really getting ready and excited to be celebrating this festival of liberation, of joy. And certainly it is about getting ready for the holiday in a way that makes it real and realistic, something that we personally experience, that it's not only an ancient uh, commemoration of our ancestors' freedom from slavery in Egypt, but rather, let's think, how can we make it something about ourselves, that we experience liberation, freedom from our own constraints and limitations. As Dale Carnegie said, you know that denial is not just a river in Egypt. And what we like to say is, well, Egypt is not only a country in the Middle East. Egypt, the Hebrew word for Mitzrayim, actually means constraints, limitations. And in a sense, what Pesach is all about is experiencing a personal emancipation, a personal freedom, liberation, breaking through, breaking free from whatever constraints, limitations that we are personally experiencing in our own life. And we all have our own challenges, our own difficulties, our own things, our own issues. Who doesn't have? And well, Pesach is an opportunity. Call it a fresh start, an opportunity, a beginning for us to be able to overcome those particular challenges that we might be going through in our own way. So, my friends, now's the time to really start preparing, getting ready, getting into the mode. And with the great music we were just having, certainly puts us in that mode. And I would like to talk with you today about different aspects and ideas on how we can, in fact, be prepared for the upcoming holiday of Pesach and making your Seder the most meaningful one yet. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kivman, and we are talking about getting ready to celebrate Pesach. It's on the way. It's around the corner. There's a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. Maybe we can get to some shopping list ideas, checklists, everything you want to do to have a better appreciation of the importance and the significance of this upcoming holiday. And of course, to enhance our knowledge of how to observe it, how to celebrate, and maybe talk a little bit about the background of Pesach and how to best conduct our Seder wherever we will be. One of the things we talked about our Chabad Seniors Club this week is about making it personal. And the idea and the thought is, how can you think not just about commemorating the event that was so long ago, but about experiencing it yourself as well? Because it's essentially about experiencing freedom. Just like our ancestors were liberated from their slavery 3,335 years ago on Pesach, we need to envision ourselves as personally taking the very same steps from bondage to redemption, just like they did. And as we said before, the Hebrew word for Egypt, Mitzrayim, tells us it means 
constraints, limitations. Maybe I was never in the geographic location of Egypt. I've never been to that country yet. But it's not about where you are. Because wherever you are, you can think and apply the story of our national story of Exodus and realize who was the liberator then. God, of course, right? Well, at the Seder, as you're going to recline like royalty and recount the stories of deliverance of our ancestors and being, you know, re-experiencing it. Well, my friends, just realize that the very same God who liberated our ancestors back then will also help you today. And when you could think of ways to just think of those own challenges you have, close your eyes for a moment, imagine... Just like that. Feel it. Breathe it in. God is ready to give it to you. And you will experience the very same freedom that our ancestors did back then. You see, my friends, the Seder is a Jewish highlight of the year. And many of our fondest Jewish memories revolve around the Seder. It's a time for family and friends to gather together to celebrate tradition and culture. And throughout our long and storied history... The Jewish commitment to celebrating Pesach was so strong, regardless where we were. Even in the most difficult situations, our ancestors have found ways to mark the occasion. At our Chabad Seniors program, we looked at various stories and experiences, whether it was during the Holocaust or the difficulties of life under communist regime or during pogroms or Inquisitions and expulsions and crusades and you name the event throughout our history. Always, Jewish people have made a plan, a way to be able to celebrate their Pesach. And today, like never before, we're able to celebrate freedom. And in fact, I think we have a whole new appreciation of that freedom considering that maybe for the past few years, not everyone was able to celebrate with their family and regardless, even if the grandchildren or cousins are not coming to spend Pesach with you. And please, God, I think the best way of celebrating it is to try to be there with people. Whether you come join us at the Pesach retreat, which we have just a few rooms left. And for those who book this week, they'll get a very special, special rate. Of course, you might need a holiday after the holiday, then you can join us for the Shabbos retreat after Pesach, even if you didn't join us for the Pesach retreat itself. But we are free. I think we have a whole new appreciation of this freedom. The last three years, many people did not go away, whether to family, friends, retreats, wherever it may have been. Many of us were in isolation, certainly three years ago in 2020. We had big plans for 2020. It was a similar sequence to this year where the Yom Tov started on a Wednesday night and ended on a Friday morning or a Thursday evening. But that means guests leaving Friday morning. And... We had big plans, and of course it was very disappointing, and the financial losses and everything else, and doing a Pesach at home that many people weren't anticipating or expecting to do. And there we were, in isolation, in lockdown, and yet, in 2021, we managed to have a smaller retreat in 2022 again, last year with masks on our faces still, and now, in a sense, we're really free compared to the last few years. And this is my point, try to tap into that freedom, see what freedom you have in your life. The fact that you woke up this morning is already a sense of freedom. Some people still haven't gotten out of bed. Some people won't be getting out of bed. Very sad indeed. And that's why we have to cherish every moment, every breath we have. 
And if for any reason one is not going to be able to be with family or friends on Pesach, there's no reason, it's it's not a reason to detract from any of the significant and special observances or even the exuberance and joy and celebration that's associated with the Pesach observances. So, in fact, I know, please God, you won't be isolated this year, but you know, if you go back to the very first Pesach, we learn that while the Jews ate the carbon Pesach, while they were still in Egypt, that is, they were quarantined at home. Maybe with their extended family, as perhaps some managed to do if they had extended family, others not. They were not allowed to leave their homes the entire Pesach evening. They couldn't, they couldn't leave their homes. Could you imagine that? And there were certainly no communal elements of the Pesach experience. Now, why is that you're wondering? Why was the inaugural Pesach ritual relegated to the home and not held in public squares? Well, if you go back to the story, in Egypt, the nascent Jewish people stood at the cusp of their peoplehood just then. And it's precisely when a group of individuals blend into a nation that they have to be reminded that there's still something special, unique about their individuality. That each one of us is indispensable to God. Each one of us is born original and unique. Don't die as a carbon copy of anyone else. And while we all share some common denomination, denominators between us, but we also have to realize that each one of us is unique in our own way. And nations oftentimes tend to swallow up individuals. And this is why Pesach is a very family-based message and it's so important. In fact, at the end of Pesach, here's something very interesting. The Seder, which is a universal, a national celebration that we're commemorating, which again, I said very clearly, you have to make it very personal. But yet that's done at home or with your family. Whereas when it comes to Yisker, which you're going to do at the end of Pesach, which is more of a personal reflection, commemoration, remembering our loved ones, that is done communally. It's done with and in the presence of others. You do it in shul. It's not COVID anymore. You don't have to be stuck at home. So anyways, the point I'm making is that for whatever reason, your Pesach experience is more private, which... No reason for it to be. And if it is, then you're going back to the original, hopefully not to the original 2020, but to the original 1313 BCE. And this is important that we try to actually be with others because the carbon Pesach, ever since that one time in the year 2448 from creation, 1313 BCE, other than that one time that they were quarantined, ever since then, they actually observed it with others. You invited others. You enjoyed it with others. And that's the way Pesach should be celebrated. So really, unless one's unwell or for any other unforeseen reason that they have to be stuck at home, leave that in the past. Let's try to celebrate with others as Pesach should be. But of course, another important point beyond tradition, the Seder is so important because it taps into a specific spiritual energy that actually is only present at the time of the Seder celebration. Because there's a basic principle in Kabbalah 
that everything that happens in this world is actually only a symptom of spiritual energy that has been unleashed in higher spiritual realms. I know, thank God we're not talking so much about symptoms anymore. Although, kid you not, COVID is still around. In fact, I visited someone in the hospital today who has COVID at the moment. And we sure hope that they recover and recuperate. Because as much as we think we've moved on from it, looks like it's around. And it's here. And please God, we don't get sick from it. But there are people who are deathly ill from covid So be careful with those symptoms. But symptoms is something about, you know, it's true about everything. Whether, you know, you spilled your coffee this morning or you climbed Table Mountain. And miracles that happen in our lives. When a miracle, such as the exodus from Egypt, occurs, it is because of that special supernatural divine energy that was present at that time. In other words, the exodus story that we're all so familiar with was actually a symptom of a certain spiritual energy that was present on that pivotal night, the 15th of Nisan, so many thousands of years ago. And it's an an important Kabbalistic principle that those energies that were present, the very same symptoms are unique to that specific day. And every year when a certain day arrives, the very same spiritual energies that were present thousands of years ago are present yet again. And so the same energy that was allowed for that, that allowed for the exodus back then is also present every year on the same night. We can tap into that, into that energy and we can experience that liberation too. And when you think about it that way, we make a, not so much to commemorate, but rather to recreate. That's what we're doing. We're not living his story, but we're tapping into an existing reality. It's not something that occurred. It's not Moses' story. It's our story. We're tapping into the very same energies that are here now. So if we think about whatever your personal challenges and difficulties might be, your own Mitzrayim, the exodus experienced by our ancestors is not just a story that happened long ago, which it is, but it's a recurring narrative that is playing itself out in our lives today. The energy that was present then is present today, and it's yours for the taking. It's ours to experience. And we have to tap into that spiritual energy. And not just of Pesach, but that's what we're talking about specifically. Every event in the world, we have to realize that this energy recurs each time the anniversary of that event. And that applies to every Jewish holiday. And so there's a tremendous spiritual energy each year when Pesach comes around. And so, with that in mind, we can understand that there's specific precision to all of the rituals, customs, and meaning to everything we do at the Seder. Because it's a spiritual experience that's prescribed by God. And if you want to capture that experience... We have to follow the way that God prescribed it. The way it's taught in our Jewish, rich, beautiful traditions. So while it might be preposterous to go to a birthday party and start asking questions like, how much cake must we eat? And how long does the birthday song have to last? Well, at the Seder, precision is key. In fact, the word Seder literally means order. 
There's an exact order and system of how to celebrate. And the truth is, there are many examples in life that are similar. A bride wants her wedding gown to be just so. And sports have their particular rules and regulations and traffic rules. And and you want to type out an email and you just miss one letter, one dot, and it goes to the wrong place. Mitzvahs are no different. The nuances and the details of each mitzvah have tremendous meaning. They accomplish something. The amount of matzah that we eat, the timing of the Seder, the items on the Seder plate, each detail carries vast profundity. And just as that dot in the URL, the website you're trying to go to, it's more than just a dot. Without it, you'll never reach the website. Think of the human smile. One way of describing it is an upward pulling of facial muscles. And I'm sure there's various anatomical details if you were in a science medical lesson that would be describing it. But everyone understands that that's only capturing the external expression of the smile. The movements of the muscles are a reflection of an emotional feeling. And similarly, the actions of the mitzvahs are all reflections of of something that's much deeper. There's a lot of profundity present. And the details of the action, even though one thinks, well, what significance does it make? Sa'etza matzah. How much matzah makes a difference? Yes, from a deeper inner perspective, what they represent, it makes a huge difference. Now, I'm not saying that to take away the heart and the passion and the enthusiasm and the excitement. That should all be present. And in fact, when people get carried away with the details and forgetting about the warmth and the oomph and everything else, that also is wrong. God very much desires our hearts. God wants us to have a relationship with Him. And when He notices a sincere effort to accomplish this, God takes notice. And even if you didn't get perfectly right, that's okay. Because you certainly brought pleasure to Hashem. And God reciprocates, even if we didn't manage to have a perfect Seder. It's not about perfection. It's about putting your heart and soul, doing what you can, tapping into that spiritual energy that's present on the 15th of Nisan. Any other day wouldn't do it. And doing it any other way wouldn't achieve it. And that's why there are specifics. And that's why now is the time to go out there and get your matzah orders done and your wine and make sure you have all the accoutrements you need for your seder, the marah and the haggadah, all the different elements. And of course, if we try to tinker with the time, if we try to change things up, then we're not reaching the destination. We're not achieving that which we set out to. So it's important that we understand that the Seder ritual we see today actually has evolved very much over history. And it looks the way it does in an effort to check many different halachic and ritualistic boxes. And much of what you see is a broad effort to bring many different obligations and Traditional customs, how did Chaim Tuppel, who just passed away last week, how did he used to sing? Tradition, tradition, right? Tradition. And so we bring all those ideas together. And there are various elements that have to be covered. The precise Seder ritual is taking all those pieces and plugging them into place, creating one streamlined performative event. So, very important that we actually keep in mind and know what the various elements are. 
I'll quickly touch on some of those elements and then we'll take a deep dive straight into the Seder and how to make it most meaningful. So number one, we have to remember the first thing is to tell the story and that's arguably the flagship mitzvah of the night. It provides the setting for the entire event. We set the, we set a stage, this elaborate ritual of telling over the story of the Exodus. And that's the most important mitzvah, the saper. The Torah says, Vigada to retell the story to your children. And we start off, Bignus, with a low, and then Messiah Beshevach, we end on a high. According to the Talmud, the definitive rhetorical method that we use for the storytelling of the Pesach Seder has a very basic structure. It starts off, begins on a low, and it ends on a high. I guess you could say any good story goes that way. Always starts off someone destitute, someone poor. Well, that's the narrative of the Pesach Seder. And it begins a retelling of our oppression and how we were ultimately redeemed. We talk about Mitchila our ancestors, in fact, Avram and Sarah were Balei Tshuva. They discovered God. They introduced monotheism to the world, but they were born into a family of idolatry. So even if we make mistakes in life, think about our greatest ancestors who were also, they also made mistakes, but they found their way. And so that's the second part is the details of the story. And we recount it in a very pedagogical way, a very uh, hands-on, multi-sensory experience with the matzah, the shank bone, the marar, everything there is reliving and re-experiencing it in a very educational way. In fact, the way we do this is the questions and answers because, in fact, a lot of people learn best by questioning. And so the whole structure, the narrative, the manishtana, the, the asking questions and the various rituals we do in order to keep everyone involved so whether it's fulfilling the mitzvah of eating the matzah or eating the mar or having the representing the carbon pesach which we do today not just by looking at the shank bone but also of eating the afikoman which remembers and recalls the carbon pesach or drinking the four cups of wine which reminds us of the scriptural expressions of redemption all of these things are the ways that we recall the story and there are the various elements that are in the seder because of this important holiday, which of course every holiday has a kiddush and has a festive meal and we light the candles. And when we understand the background behind the Seder, then we can make it easier and we could fulfill it to a T. And now's the time to engage in these activities and to review and to recall why and how we do these things so that we're all ready to do so as we get ready to sit down at our seders in two weeks. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Salt to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiev, and we're getting ready for Pesach. So much anticipation and excitement. And of course, it's almost time for the actual celebration after all of the preparation. But now's the time for the preparation. So, my friends, as we talk about the preparation, we need to know how do we get ready for Pesach. We talked about getting ready spiritually. There's a lot of physical preparation as well because we want to make sure that actually we are prepared and ready to do it as necessary for Pesach. So, let us sink our teeth into the how of the actual Seder. And then maybe we can talk about how to make it the 
meaningful and purposeful, but let's just talk about the practical, right? So there are 15 steps, call them simanim, that are recited at the beginning of the Seder, and they're announced as each step is carried out over the course of the evening. And I'm going to simplify them and talk about them very simply. Let's start, of course, women and girls have a special mitzvah to kindle the Yom Tov candles on the first night. There are two brachas that are recited, uh, one for the holiday itself and the second Shechianu blessing that thanks God for allowing us to live yet another year and experience the special mitzvah that only comes around once a year. So two blessings that we start the evening with. Don't forget, I'm jumping straight into the actual celebrations of the holiday. You certainly want to take some time to also look at the shopping list that you're going to need because maybe this is a good way of doing it by looking at what we actually do and then we can look at the shopping list of how you want to do it. So Pesach, it's it's a festival. And like any festival, like any Shabbos in fact, it's sanctified over a sacramental cup of wine. Of course, if one is allergic to wine or maybe kids underage or for whatever reason, health reasons particularly, that a person by the way, even if you don't if you just don't like wine, Halacha says then you could use grape juice and if you can't use that and talk to your particular authoritative halachic consultant, a rabbi who you trust and uh, discuss these matters with if you could use any other beverage for Kiddush. So we all make Kiddush. Everybody makes Kiddush. And the cup of Kiddush and for all the cups of wine for the Seder has to be has to meet a particular halachic require minimum halachic requirement, which in contemporary terms is about eighty six milligrams. Eighty six that is. So most cups are probably bigger than that. And you make sure to fill the cup, but you want Kosirova, you want the cup to be overflowing with wine or grape juice to evoke the imagery of that overflowing blessing. And then we are going to recite the Kiddush. If you don't read or understand Hebrew, then you can do it in English. If you need Hebrew lessons, then you better talk to me. And in August every year, before the high holidays, I always offer a read it in Hebrew, Hebrew reading crash course. When you're done, make sure you drink the majority of that cup. And not only do you drink it, when you're drinking this and all four of the cups of wine on the Seder night, we make sure to recline in our seats to the left. And this is a traditional way to demonstrate that we are free and noble people, because customarily, royalty and nobility used to eat and drink in this fashion of reclining. And for all the ritual eating that we do throughout the Seder evening, everything it's about that freedom, that liberation, so we recline specifically to demonstrate, to express our freedom. The next step of the Seder after Kaddish is Orchatz. Orchatz is that we go to wash our hands. So after Kadesh is Orchatz. Orchatz is where we go. We, we actually wash our hands, but we don't recite a bracha when doing so. The reason for washing our hands very simply is actually if you are going to be dipping anything into, it's a halachic matter. That actually goes back to temple times, that when the Jewish people had to be conscious of their 
status of ritual purity. So whenever you came into contact with something that was a wet vegetable, right, you're going to be taking your karpas, that's the next step, and you're going to dip it into, into salt water. So we wash our hands before handling the vegetables so as to remove any impurity that may be on our hands. The same prescribed manner you would wash for, say, bread, right? So what are we doing next? We're not eating bread. Certainly no bread is around on Pesach. And we're not ready for our matzah yet, which we'll wash for later. So why are we washing our hands? Because, as we said before, education is a key ingredient for the Pesach Seder. And so we do a number of bizarre things just to engage the children. So the children will ask why. And that's one of the things we do. Karpas. Now, ordinarily, by now, right after, right on a Friday night, right after Kiddush, you wash your hands as well. But here we change it up. We do something different. The karpas, the vegetable that we're going to dip into the salt water, and the salt water, of course, commemorates the tears of our enslaved ancestors. This is something, again, intriguing. And we recite a bracha, we eat it, we... Do we recline? I have to remember if we recline. Anyways, yeah, I think all of the rituals of the evening we we recline for. And the fact that we're performing acts that are just to get the kids' curiosity, to get them to ask questions, it teaches us an important thing about education. Sometimes we have to get creative. We want to relay a message to the youth instead of just taking a hammer and forcing the kids to sit and listen. If we get a bit creative, we can find more pleasant ways to keep their attention. The key to learning, we know always, is inquisitiveness. Children need to be taught to ask questions. We could just tell them what Pesach is all about, but we much prefer that they ask questions and that we relate the story as an answer to the question. And in this way, there's a much better chance that they will be listening because they're curious. And it also teaches the kids to continue to ask questions and to seek meaning and everything that they see. So my friends, in fact, the Nobel Prize winning Jewish physicist, Isidore Rabi, he explained that his mother taught him how to be a scientist. Every other child would come back from school and be asked, what did you learn today? But he said his mother used to ask him, Izzy, did you ask a good question today? Even if there'll be no kids at your Seder, these messages of education, I think, still have a universal relevance because, you know, it's a crying shame that as we mature, we become less curious and less prone to ask questions. Let's use the karpas to think about the aspects of Judaism that we should really be exploring further. Let's ask those questions. No shame, no gain. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. We've gone through the first three steps of the Seder. Kadesh Orchatz Karpas. Let's now get on to Yachatz. Yachatz is the next step where we break the middle of our three matzahs and we turn the poor man's bread into something, so to say, even poorer. Poor people would really have a complete piece of food. So this reminds us about the slavery in Egypt. The larger piece we're going to put aside that's going to be put away to be consumed later. That is called the Afikoman. And 
We'll talk about that when we get to the end of the Seder steps and the smaller piece remains inside the Seder place. Then we're going to pour a second cup of wine, just like the first, but we're not yet ready to drink it. We're going to recite the entire story of Magid, which is the next step, retelling the story over this cup of wine. And we begin by asking four questions. These are the questions that the children ask. They notice that something's different in our behavior. We're reclining by the carpas. There's various differences of what's on the menu that evening, the matzah, the maror. And so it's important that we talk about the exodus in this manner of questions and answers. And even if there's no kids, there's always a kid inside ourselves. So let's ask the question to ourselves. And better yet, ask the questions to God. And there are, You don't have to limit it to the four questions that are in the Manishtana. Think about whatever questions that are perplexing you. And this is really where we begin to recite the story. It's the opportunity where we appropriately fulfill our obligation of Sipur Yetzias Mitzrayim, of retelling the story of our exodus. And so the rhetorical device that we use to tell the story begins on a low and it ends in a high. The narrative arc of this section of the Haggadah it used closely to that pattern. It starts off with how we were idolaters and then bondsmen in Egypt and leading through the story of God's deliverance and how we ultimately landed at this euphoric high at the redemption. And the truth is, in all stories of life, each of ourselves as well, we could think of the times where maybe we hit a low, but we have to look forward and aspire to the greater heights. And so we should go through the Haggadah we should read the passages. And perhaps you have certain passages that are highlights. And some of them come to mind. Think of the songs. You think about that we were slaves in Egypt. It's a song reminding ourselves where we were. Maybe in the past we were slaves, but today we're free. And that reminds us, it puts us into the right space of mind. We talk about the four sons and think about maybe we all have those elements of the four sons within ourselves. And we sing the song, Vahisha Amda, how in the past and throughout history and even to this very day, even where we are, maybe antisemitism is not as glaring here as it is elsewhere, but it exists. We can't hide our heads in the sand. And we sing the song, Vahisha Amda, and how God has come to our rescue time and time again. We remember the 10 plagues. In fact, as we recall each of them, we pour out a little bit of wine from our glass for each one of the plagues. We realize that we don't want to overly rejoice about the suffering of the Egyptians. Their downfall is, even though they were our vile oppressors, but we feel bad, it's sad. Even today, where terrorists cause such harm in the world, we look at Israel itself. There are plenty of innocent Palestinians, and I'm not shy to say that. But sadly, they are being afflicted by their own terror, endorsing and supporting terrorists. And we recall it, but we don't want the downfall of others. King David says, "Been a full al tismach." Don't rejoice by the downfall of another. Yes, we're rejoicing on Pesach. We're celebrating our freedom. We're celebrating our emancipation from slavery. And so we pour out a little bit of that wine, saying how sad it is that the Egyptians back then didn't learn the lessons 
one plague after another. Sadly, they got smitten over and over again. They should have learned the lesson sooner. But as we go through it, Dayenu, we have a fun song we're all familiar with. Day, Dayenu, Day, Dayenu, right? There's so much to do. And in fact, I encourage everyone to go through their Seder properly. But regardless of how much you say, how much you choose to say, one of the most important parts is where you find towards the end, you should make every effort to recite it, where the Haggadah discusses the three mitzvahs of Pesach. What are they? Pesach, Matzah, Mar. We recite a certain Rabban Gamliel, who stated that one who doesn't recite these three main things on Pesach night has not fulfilled their obligation. Now, of course, they have, but not to the fullest extent, as Rabban Gamliel teaches. And when reciting them, and speaking of each of them, we look at the corresponding item on the Seder plate. Many people have a custom of even lifting those items. And so the conclusion of Magid pivots to reciting the beginning chapters of Halal, shifting the focus away from storytelling to giving thanks to God. And to that end, the matzahs that have been uncovered this entire time are now covered. Magid concludes with blessing, thanking Almighty God, praising Hashem for the exodus from Egypt and expressing our hope for future redemption. My friends, please God, next week we could continue from this place of Magid, moving on to the other steps of our Seder experience. And ladies and gentlemen, as you get ready for Pesach, take the time to go through your checklist, create whatever, start making your checklist of what it is that you need to start getting in place. And most importantly, I think it's important that we actually get ready for our seders, whether you're doing your shopping checklist or your personal checklist. Seder checklist, make sure you have your seder plate and your shmura matzah and you got your wine and grape juice and all the different accoutrements that you need for the seder from the marar and the eggs and the chicken neck or uh, lamb shank or whatever you use and the romaine lettuce and uh, the the haroset, whether you make it yourself or, or purchase it, and everything else that you need for your Seder. But most importantly, to get yourself ready by preparing and getting ready for that special day. Ladies and gents, my dear friends, wishing you a wonderful day, a meaningful and purposeful Shabbos. Remember to aspire to inspire. Don't retire so you won't expire. Carpe diem, seize every moment, and have a great day.